Well, good morning, everyone. How are you doing today? Everyone's feeling good? Good morning online. Hey, thanks for joining in and checking in with us. We're just so grateful you are here. Listen, I love looking out and seeing all your happy eyes. I know I, can, I, know I, I am confident you are smiling underneath that mask and that you're full of joy and hope and peace as we start this new year. Are you with me? Everyone good? Feeling good? Good stuff. Well, I, I am just grateful to be with you here today, and I just love the opportunity. And, I, you know, I just want you to know I don't take this for granted that we get to come into this place together, surround ourselves with, with other people on different journeys with Jesus. We get to worship together. We get to open God's Word. We get to encourage one another in community. And uh, I am just so grateful. I'm grateful for your grace as we grow together through this season and through the changing narratives and restrictions and your willingness to kind of jump back to the 1030 service and, and grow together. And I'm just so thankful for those who serve so faithfully and make this church so great. How many people know it doesn't, it's not just one person, right? It takes a multitude of hands to, to God's work. I'm also grateful that my mom and dad are here with us this morning. And uh, they drove in from Hamilton. And uh, so it's just a good day, and uh, I'm just so grateful. I'm, I love that we get to open God's Word and be encouraged by His Spirit in all of us. And uh, if you've been joining with us or started with us last week, we started a new series called New Year, New You. New Year, New You. And we started last week by bringing focus to fasting. And for, for a lot of us, and myself included, this is a new discipline. Fasting is a new discipline that we're trying to lean into this month as we lean in to God. We understood the whys and the what's of fasting. And if you missed last week, I really want to encourage you to go back online, go to our website, you can watch it, because we're really laying a foundation to really this next 21 days or this next month that we're leaning into as, as a church. And the central theme or the central, central principle, rather, that we are kind of building on is this, is that a delight in discipline will take you where desire can't. You know, we all desire great things. We all desire to be a certain person, to have be a certain look. You know, when summertime comes around and it's time to put back our bathing suits on, you know, we have the desire of, of who we want to become. But how many people know it takes a discipline in order to see that delight realized, that desire realized, otherwise it remains a dream. And at some point, delight, discipline rather, turns into delight when we start seeing the benefits and the results of our discipline. I love how Craig Rochelle, he says, discipline is choosing what we want most over what we want now, right? Isn't that the case? Choosing what we want most over what we want now. And so we are learning as a church to develop a life of discipline. Focus, focus, focus kind of specifically today on our spiritual disciplines. Not focusing on just kind of the, the, the things of this world, like eating healthy and, and you know, exercising and, and spending less. And, I mean, save, set, spending less, saving more, that way. Uh, but, but the spiritual disciplines that help us discover who God has created us to be. And so last week we talked about fasting, which is disconnecting from the world, and prayer, which is connecting to God. And so... What we want to do today is we want to continue that conversation and talk about the practice of prayer. And talk about the practice of prayer. Theologian T.J.I. Uh, Packer, he says, Prayer is finding our way through duty to delight. And, and it kind of resonates with this heart that we're in. And I think if we're all honest, we can all agree that prayer at times can feel like duty. It can feel like a thing we ought to do, like something we should do. 
But our heart's desire, probably, if you're like me, is that I, would ra- I want it to be a desire. I, I long for it to be something I want to do. And I've learned and even experienced from time to time that the moment anyone speaks, a pastor preaches, or someone talks about prayer, the feelings of guilt and, and shame and this general kind of not-enoughness, which is not really a word, but we're going to make it a word today, uh, begins to bubble up inside of us, don't they? We, we begin to rehearse and relive and replay those moments or the past couple days or, or weeks or months, those moments that we missed or dismissed, the nudge or the leaning into cultivating a life of prayer. And while these are honest emotions, and they're, they're, but they aren't really helpful. They don't guide us towards becoming a life, developing a life of discipline. Because guilt isn't a good motivator for long-term change. And shame doesn't propel us through struggle. The feeling of not good enough doesn't compel us to try something new. And so, while we all desire to grow in grace, to thrive in our prayer life, to be better than we were yesterday, this is something we all desire. And so here's the deal today. Today's a brand new day. So whatever happened today, yesterday, whatever your, life look, your prayer life looked like a month ago or even yesterday... Today's a new day. Thank God that His grace is new every morning. That we can wake up every day and we say, God, yesterday maybe I didn't make the mark. Yesterday I didn't achieve what I desired to achieve, but today is a new day. I'm going to start from scratch today. You know, we don't live in the condemnation, the guilt of yesterday. And so for these next 21 days, it's, it's, we're going to be shedding the notion of perfection and embracing progress. It's not about achieving perfection when it comes to our prayer life, but, but progress, leaning in one day at a time, one moment at a time, one prayer at a time, as we encounter the presence of God in our lives, in our homes, and in our church. And I don't know who doesn't want that. You know, it's something I believe and I pray you all desire in our life. And so before we talk about prayer, let's just pray. Let's just invite Holy Spirit here today to speak to our lives and to change our hearts. And so God, we need you. We invite you into this place. We are already here. You know, our, our prayer shouldn't be invite you. You're already here. Make us aware of your presence. God, you never leave us. You never forsake us. So you, you're always with us, but make us aware of your presence today. Tune our ears to hear your voice. Give us the courage to take steps of faith. God, as you speak, I pray that something would stick to our hearts, that something would resonate in our lives, and God, that we would leave this place with something that will help us in our journey towards you. And so we recognize, God, that apart from you, we can do nothing. So we, we lean in to stay connected to you, a desire to stay connected to you through prayer. We pray this in your precious name. Amen. Amen. And so let's talk about prayer. There's three things that's going to be really practical we're going to talk about today. One is, what is prayer? Two is, why is prayer so hard at times? And three, well, how do we pray? What, what, does, what do we actually do? And we're going to look at three perspectives of prayer, but it really comes down to this one thought. And it's, I apologize because it's not on the screens. It's not on your notes. If you're following, you can follow on Version live events, and all my notes are there if you want to jog, because I'm going to throw a lot of stuff at you, so it's already kind of written down for you. But uh, essentially, prayer is a relational interaction with God. I mean, if you want to break it down to the kind of the, the brass tacks, like the baseline foundation, prayer is a relational interaction with God. Now, we could spend a whole year talking about, the, talking about prayer or the nuances of prayer and the power of prayer. 
there's so much we can dive into. We don't have time for that today, but we're just going to scratch the surface, but hopefully lay a foundation that will propel us into this next season of prayer that gives us a little bit of something to grab a hold onto. But understanding that prayer is a relational interaction, there's three things that it does. One, it connects our heart to the heart of God. I mean, prayer connects our heart to the heart of God. Prayer is both an opportunity to encounter and have a conversation with Jesus, with God the Father through Jesus. It's like a conversation with a friend. We get to commune and get to know the heart of God. We get to share our hearts and our feelings. We get to share our fears and our doubts, our joys and our hopes and our dreams. This is what prayer allows us to do, to build this relationship with the heart of God. This conversation gives us an opportunity not only to share our heart, but to hear God's heart for us, his children. You see, this interaction can look like worship and confession. It can look like thanksgiving and you know, even asking for help and direction. But because prayer is relationship and not religion, it's re- reuniting with God and not rituals, it flows from a desire to know God more and know about him more. I love how David articulates this in Psalms 27. He says, one thing I ask, one thing above all things, if I could only ask one thing, this one thing I ask, that I would seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, that I would gaze on the beauty of the Lord and seek him in his temple. This is David. This is his desire to know God, to to know the heart, to connect with the heart of God. You see, like David, every Old Testament follower of God, every Old Testament pastor and priest and, and, and follower had to seek God in the temple. They had to go to the temple of the Lord. They had to go through all the process of sacrifices and rituals in order to encounter God, to meet with God. And a lot of times they had to go through somebody else, through the high priest. But how many people know in the New Testament, we are the temple of God. God dwells within us. We don't have to go anywhere. God came to us, each and us, individually, specifically, and personally. So we don't have to go to the house of God once a week or once a year, but every day we can dwell with God. Come on, someone's got to get excited about that. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter who you are. You can connect with God's heart today, tomorrow, at home, in your bathroom, in your bedroom, as you're shoveling your driveway, anytime and anywhere you can connect with God. And that is something all of us get this opportunity to do. Prayer connects us to the heart of God. So prayer starts as this deep awareness and this desperate desire to know and grow with God. Second thing prayer does is it unites our hearts with the heart, unites our heart rather with the hearts of God's people. Have you felt it? Have you been in those moments, in those prayer meetings? Have you, have you sat around the table as you prayed with a friend or a spouse or your family member and you just feel that something is transpiring, that something is happening as your hearts are being knitted together in unity and, uni- and united in purpose? Someone once said, those who pray together stay together. People who pray together stay together. And I've seen this, that those couples who pray together stay together. And I know that can be awkward at times. But do it. Keep it short. Keep it simple. Keep it steady. Pray together. Families who pray together stay together. There's something about prayer that unites our hearts one to 
another. When Jesus spoke about prayer, he prayed with this one thing in mind. You know what it was? Unity. When Jesus prayed, he prayed with this one thing in mind. You can see it in John 17, 20. He says, Jesus is Jesus speaking. He says, my prayer is not for them alone. Now who's them alone in this moment? Them alone are his disciples. Them alone are the people that he sees. Them alone are the ones who are in earshot of his voice. Them alone. He's, my prayer, Father, is not just for them alone, for the people I see. But I also pray for those who will believe in me through their message, to those who hear the message of, the God, of God through what they testify, and, and those who hear the message of God through what they say, and, who, and what they say all the way to you and me. Right? That's who, that's who he's praying for right now, just so you know. He's not just praying for his disciples in, this, in that moment. He's praying for you. He's praying for me. Those who heard the message through the message, through the faithfulness of others. I pray that they, all of them, here it is, will be one, may be one, just as the, you are in me and I am in you, that they may also be in us. What is this? Connected, right? Prayer connects us to God so that the world may believe that you have sent me. So there's something about unity that brings glory to God. There's something about unity that brings glory and revelation and awareness of who God is. And prayer not only connects our heart with God, but it unites our heart in unity with God's people. Now here's the thing about unity. Unity is not conformity. Unity is diversity submitted in love one to another. It's celebrating the uniquenesses and the gifts and the differences of one another. The unique personalities that God has created us all to be. But we submit ourselves one to another, not wanting, putting any of us higher than another. It's not false humility, but it's submitting and respecting the image of God in others. And that's what happens. And what would happen, church, if we as a people, we as followers of Jesus, began to operate in unity, through prayer that connects our heart, not with the heart of God, but with the heart of one another. Thirdly, prayer aligns our hearts with the heart of God's purpose. So if you read through the letters of Paul that he wrote to his church, there's one thing you won't find. You, you won't find him praying for change in their circumstances. Paul never prays that. But he does pray for a change in their perspectives. That they would see differently. Ephesians 1.8, he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart, he's speaking to the church in Ephesus, the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, that you may see, in order that you may know. Well, know what? Know the hope to which he has called you. You have been called to something greater. That the riches of this glorious inheritance of his holy people, his prayer is, hey, I'm praying that you won't just see with your temporal eyes. You won't just see with your earthly eyes. You won't just see with your human eyes. But you will get a, a vision of the purpose of what God has called for you. Yes, I know the world around you may be challenging. Yes, I know the world around you may be broken. Yes, I know there's darkness lurking around every corner. But you as a child of God are called to something greater. And I pray that your eyes would be enlightened to see the hope to which you have been called. And I believe, church, that that is the prayer that we need to hold on to today. Sorry, I'm getting preaching. It's not in my notes to slam my desk. But there's something inside of me that, gosh, gosh, we need this, don't we? Man, too many of 
us are focused on what other people are saying and the darkness of this world, we're giving so much of our attention and our energy and our effort to the things that don't even matter. And Paul is praying for you and me that we would get a vision of something greater. Of something greater. We've talked about this. When I first started this world, is not our home. We are sojourners. We are foreigners just passing through. So what if the house burns down? I'm not staying here forever. Paul, he's can get in a vision and get an alignment of God's purpose. See, the heart of God, the heart of Paul's prayer is not is that we get to see Jesus clearer, we get to know Jesus better, we get to align our hearts with the purpose and the hope that God has called us into. This is what prayer does. It cultivates this faith within inside of us because apart from him, what? We can do nothing. Right? We can do nothing. So prayer connects our hearts to the heart of God. I love how Timothy Keller, he says, Paul does not see prayer as merely a way of getting things from God, but as a way of actually getting more of God himself. And so we're not just trying to get things from God. We just need more of God in our life. We need more of God in our hearts and our minds. We need more of him. So what is prayer? Prayer is a relational interaction that you and I all have the opportunity to engage with. It's a relational interaction with God. It's not a religious ritual. It's not full of do's and do nots. Prayer is the opportunity to encounter God, to have a conversation with Jesus. And really quickly, prayer, here it is, connects us with the heart of God. Just a really recap. Recap. That was horrible. (laughs) Connects us with the heart of God. Unites Unites our heart with the hearts of God's people and aligns our heart with the heart of God's purpose. That's what prayer is foundational. So this is all good stuff, right? This is all good stuff. I don't think any of us looks at it and goes, I don't want it. I don't need it. You know? So here's the question. If it's all good stuff, why does so much of us struggle with it? Like if it's good stuff and it's stuff that we recognize we all need, then why is it so hard? Because I struggle. I don't know anybody in this room, I don't know anybody who doesn't struggle with prayer. It's challenging. It, it, yeah, you go through seasons where you feel like everything's working, but then you hit a wall, right? You go through a drought. You go through a dry spell. We're all doing this. We're all on this journey together. So here's quick reasons, a couple quick reasons that I could think about. One, it's a personal discipline. And enemy discipline is hard. Let's be honest, right? Every discipline takes time. It takes effort. We have to find a rhythm that works for us. We have to find a rhythm that allows us to develop this personal discipline. Secondly, it's a relational experience. And like any relationship, you've got you to cultivate it. You've got to work at it. You've got to invest into it. Thirdly, it's a spiritual reality. And this is something we probably don't talk a lot about, but the reality is that there's a war going on. Ephesians talks about a world, there's a, there's a, there's a, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but there's a, there's a war that's happening beyond our sight, beyond our scope, for your soul and for your focus. And the enemy knows if he can't destroy you, well, then he can discourage you and he can distract you. Right? And so what he's trying to do is discourage you with prayer. He's going to distract you with prayer. There's a war going on for your focus of prayer life. And so we need to be aware of that. That's a reality that makes it so hard. The third, the last thing is, 
at times, it can even be a confusing practice. Let's just be honest. It can be a confusing practice. We're talking to somebody we don't see. We're talking to somebody that sometimes we can't even, we can't even hear audibly. And so we spend so much time focusing on the formation of prayer, on the do's and the don'ts, that we, we lose sight of the transformation that happens through prayer. And so it becomes confusing. And so these realities force us to step into one of two ditches or, or to live in one of two extremes. The first extreme is that we keep it so simple that we, that we lose the mystery and the presence of prayer. We lose the power of prayer. We keep it so simple because we're so confused by it all that we just keep it simple. Now, have you ever seen somebody who's in love? Young couple, they're just madly in love with each other. It doesn't make any sense. It's weird, right? They all saw goo goo and gaga one another, and all the reality seems to just fade away around them. You know, they're so smitten with one another. There's a mystery about it. You know, there's, there's an element to be studied for prayer, but there's this mystery about prayer that we need to just embrace. And when we oversimplify it, we run the risk of removing the mystery that is transpiring around us. There used to be a word we called back in the Pentecostal like, movement back in the day when I was in the 90s. We used to call it lingering. I don't know if everyone heard that term. You know, we're just lingering in the spirit. We're just waiting on God, you know. And we don't use those terms a lot. We don't have these moments, as, and probably as enough as we should. But these moments that we can't fully describe, we can't fully define, but we just don't want to leave it. Have you ever been in those moments? It's usually, what I've experienced them is usually after a worship service or prayer night, and the presence of God was just felt so great, it's just like a warm blanket, and you just don't want to leave. You just sit there. You don't know what to say. You don't know what to do. You don't know how to define it. But there's a mystery. It's happening. And I want it. Can I tell you what? That's my heart for our encounter nights. When we gather for a worship on encounter nights and prayer, I don't want to just go through the motions. We don't need the motions. You can put on a CD at home or play, you know, a Spotify playlist at home and you can listen to good music. But when we come in this place, we're coming to encounter the King of Kings, the Lord. We want to embrace the mystery a little bit. Not the weirdness. We don't make it weird and crazy. God's a God of order. But we want to, there's a mystery about it. We want it to stir our hearts. So the, the one challenge is we can keep it so simple. The other challenge, though, was we make it so complicated, right? We make it so complicated, and we put all this pressure and all this expectation on what it means to pray and pray right. It's like when someone, someone asks you to pray, you're like, ooh, I don't know what to say. What do I do? How, I, how do I do it? It's so full of these, like, do this and don't do that, and make sure you never say that and always say this, and there's this compounding pressure we put on prayer, and this fear leads many of us to defining prayer life as grace for dinner. That's kind of the defining level of our prayer, as we pray grace at dinner time. And that's great, and that's good, and that's all, but there's so much more for you to experience. And so we pray grace, and we leave all the super spiritual stuff, the super spiritual words to the super elite people among us, like youth pastors. All right, Pastor Nick. So here's something to consider when it comes to prayer. Are you guys good? Everyone's good? I got a couple more things. I gotta go. We might go a little bit late. Are you guys okay with that? Everyone's good? I got permission? No one's got plans? That's <laughs> my mom. So here's something to consider. Let's keep his presence, but let's let go of the pressure. Let's seek his presence, but let's let go of the pressure. So what does that mean? 
And here's a thought. I want you to write this down. Remember it. See prayer as a practice, not the game. What does that what do I mean? See prayer as a practice, not the game. What does that mean? Well, what happens in practice? There's no scoreboard when you practice. We're not keeping track. We're not keeping tally. There's no scoreboard when you practice. There's room for mistakes when you practice, right? That's how you develop. You, you, you fall. You figure it out. You try something. You, you work it out. You mistake. Okay, let's, that's okay. Let's get back up. Let's try it again. There's room for mistakes. There's room to grow. There's grace to grow and try something new that you've never tried before. You can, you can run a play or run a prayer that you've never tried. Let's see if this works and how, does this, how do we feel with this? When you, when you think about it as a practice, there's room to grow. There's grace to grow. When all you think about is game on, it's game time, then you're afraid to try anything new. You default back to the things you've always done because you know it will work once. I guess maybe it will work again. So let's see practice, see prayer as a practice. To be honest, we're all trying to figure this thing out. I don't stand up here as someone who's mastered prayer. Please know that. <laughs> Please know that. This is not me telling you all that I have learned. This is all that I am learning as we grow together in Christ. See, to, to grow in prayer, Jesus, Jesus identifies a few necessary variables, and we see this in Scripture, Matthew 6. He says, When you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love standing Praying in the they love they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. They want the, the public blessing. But I tell you truly, they have received the reward in full. But when you pray, he says, go into the room and close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. And then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. He goes on to say, and when you pray. Do not keep babbling like pagans, for they think that the heart they, they, they feel they, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. But do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask. I love that. Because I don't know if you are like me, but there's times where my heart wants to say so much, but my words, my mouth cannot find the words. My mind is racing with all the things that I'm anxious about and worried about and feeling the pressure of, but I cannot formulate the words to pray it. And I'm so thankful that God hears my groans and He hears my utterings and He knows what I want to pray even before I pray it. God hears your heart because prayer is not about what you say. It's a posture of your heart longing to connect with the heart of God. It's a posture. So how does Jesus instruct us to pray? Be honest. Just be honest. God, I'm struggling. God, I need your help. God, this is who I am right now. It's not who I want to be. God, I need you. It's honest prayer. Be personal. Okay, you're talking to a real person. Be relational. Be personal. And lastly, just focus on God. Don't worry about what other people think. Just focus on God. That's how we start. That's how we develop this practice together. So really quickly, how do we pray? See, maybe some of you, it's it's not so much the discipline, it's just direction. Maybe you're like, hey, I, I'm, I'm ready to form a discipline. I'm a disciplined person. I just don't know what, where to start. What's, what direction do I need? So here's what Jesus says. Matthew 6, this is how. Then this is how you should pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, you don't have to pray this exact prayer, 
But there's elements in this prayer that you can pray, that you can break down and put even as a check mark or a guide to help you as you develop this discipline of prayer. The first one, it looks like Acts. Maybe you've heard this before. This is probably this is not new information. This is I'm just throwing it out because I've picked it up. All right, Acts just helps us remember what does A stand for? Adoration, right? What's adoration? Worship. It's praise. It's 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 projecting ourselves to God. It's playing God. You are the Lord of my life. You are God. We talked about mind, our body, soul, and spirit last week. Last week, this is realigning our. Our mind, our, our soul, and our body under our spirit. It's putting God back on the throne. This is adoration. It's humbling ourselves before mighty God. Second is confession. It's, it's our need of Him, our mistakes, our failures, areas we are falling short. It's where we seek forgiveness and we receive His grace. Every day, I'm thankful that His grace is new every morning. Thirdly, it's thanksgiving. We, can, we, receive, we, we thank Him for forgiveness. We thank Him for His mercy and His grace. We thank Him for our identity that is rock solid, firm in Him, and our purpose that He's given us. We thank Him for His sovereignty and His full control. We, 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 we're for holding on to and caring for every detail, for, for even answering pray, for even for the prayers that are unanswered. We're praying in faith for the things that He will do in us and through us. And lastly, it's supplication, which is just a fancy word for presenting your requests to God. It's asking with boldness and with confidence, like you go to your Father or someone who loves you, knowing that we have a good God. I break my prayers down into my faith, my family, my friends, and my future. (laughs) Usually everything falls into one of those four categories. My faith, as I grow in God, my family... My friends and my future. God, where are you leading us? And I break those down and I just put them in my notes and my journal and I just, you know, throw them out. And I pray out and I pray to God. So maybe this week, the first step is just implementing the discipline. It's the practice and practicing this framework. So I want to encourage you to find a place. Find a place and get started. This 21 days of prayer is a great way to start because I'm even giving you the focus of what you can pray for. You can read that scripture and you can focus your prayer and follow us along for the next 24, 21 days. And listen, I just want to tell you, a spiritual prayer is not a long prayer. A spiritual prayer is an effective prayer. So five minutes of focused, uninterrupted, effective connection with God is better than an hour of distractions winging in and out. Read a psalm, play a worship song, be honest with God, write it out. Sometimes, for me, if I want to focus my thoughts, I write them out. I just write them out. I use version. I'm going to talk about more of that in a little bit next week. I love version. I love their prayer requests. And I'm, sometimes I just keep building on my threads of my prayer requests. I just keep building on that. And I look back to what the things I prayed about last night or last week, and I, and I just build on that and it develops this prayer culture. And last thing, I, I really do want to encourage you, if you have not picked up one of these cards, pick up one of these cards on the way out. Follow with us, starting tomorrow, as we go through 21 days of prayer. Every day there's an outline as we go through it. Week one, a new, do something new in me. Week two, do something new in our church and our community. Week three, do something new in our world. And there's different focuses every day. But ultimately it comes down to this, is that a delight in discipline will take you where desire can't. So do we desire the presence of God? Do we desire to know the heart of God? 
Do we desire to align our hearts and unite our hearts with the hearts of God's people? Do we desire to align our hearts with the hearts of God's purpose? Then we need to stay connected through prayer. Last thing, really quick before we close. I was wrestling with this, but I just want to say it because I believe it needs to be said. Is that the opposite of a prayer-filled life, the opposite of a prayerful life, is not a non-prayer life. The opposite of a prayerful life is a prideful life. And I know we don't like to hear that because we don't want to see ourselves as prideful even though we struggle with prayer. But it's true because what does pride say? Pride says I can do it by myself. Pride says I've got it figured out. Pride says I don't need God's help. Pride says I don't need God's direction. Prayer says the opposite. Right? God, we need you. See, Jesus even stayed connected to God, his Father, through prayer. So if Jesus prayed and Jesus needed it, then who are we to say we don't need this every day operating in our life? Mark 1, 35 says, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, he left the house, and he went off to a solitary place. What? Where he prayed. So today it may start as duty, or it may start as a discipline, but our hope is that one day it will find itself to a place of delight. Where once you see the benefits, the results of a prayer-filled life, you can start to begin to leaning into the desire to look forward to your time and connect it. But it takes time, it takes practice, it takes intentionality, it takes community, it takes a sense of accountability and encouragement and even grace. So have patience and keep moving forward. Two things to remember. Be honest, personal, pray to God, and see prayer as a practice, not the game. 21 days of prayer, I'm going to say it again. So you can follow us on social media, on Instagram. We're going to be posting something every day. For those who are doing a soul fast, I was thinking about this last night. Many of us are doing soul fast where we get rid of social media, so the posting on social media probably doesn't help. So we're going to post it on our website every day. First on the homepage of our website, I'm going to show you some prayer focuses. So tune in every day as we walk through the focuses together as a church. And I really want to invite you, I know Ashley already talked about it, to join us on Tuesday mornings for prayer. From 7 to 8. It's, it's one hour. It's early before your day starts. If you're able to make it, I want to encourage you to come. Because there's something happens when we pray together. Something happens. And lastly, begin to plan to be here on our counter night. The last Sunday of this month, the 30th at 6 p.m., we're going to press in with worship and prayer and just believe God to do great things in us. Can I invite you to stand? Was that helpful? Hopefully it was encouraging and hopefully it was helpful. Hopefully you don't feel discouraged, but you feel empowered to start to pray. Please don't make your grace prayers old 25 minutes this afternoon when you go home and pray for lunch. Your kids will not appreciate that, you know. My question for you is this. What would happen if we in this room, those of us online, committed to developing the practice of prayer? What could happen in your life? What could happen in your home? What could happen in your perspective as you connect your life, as you disconnect from the world and connect with God? So I pray. I pray that we would embrace this personally and individually and that the Holy Spirit would give you divine revelation and insight on what, you, what steps you need to take today.
So Father, we thank you. Lord, that we're not doing this out of religion and ritual, but God, we're doing this out of relationship, that you loved us so much that you sent your son Jesus into this world to have a relationship with us, and that you dwell among us, those who choose to follow you, you dwell within us, so you are with us all the time. And so God, I pray that we would not ignore you. (laughs) We would not embrace a broken relationship, but we lean in and have conversation and dialogue with you, that we would grow with you and connect with you, so you would do a work inside each and every one of us. God, help us with this discipline. We know it's challenging at times. We know it doesn't always come easy. But God, we pray that it will become easier as we press through, as we make a commitment, as we stay steadfast and stay true. Speak to us, God, through times of prayer. God, may we learn to hear your voice. May we learn to connect with you and give us the courage to follow what you give us to do and the things you tell us about. God, we give our hearts to you today. In your precious name we pray. And if you agree with me, can you just say amen? Amen. Amen. So may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I bless you now in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You are dismissed. Have a great day, everybody.